All right, hello friends, and welcome to the very first video episode of Talking Sports at Work, yay! I am your host, Derek Persley, and I am obviously not at work today, um, so I guess not maybe appropriate, but you know, whatever, I can't actually do a video episode while I'm at work, so um and I've been saying I wanted to do a video episode for a while now. Um, a while. I've only been doing this thing for like three weeks now. But I mean, ever say, you know, for a while, for a couple weeks, I've been saying, you know, I wanted to do a video episode and, uh, you know, just, uh, just see what that's like. So this is my first time doing it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I actually did like a little, I guess you call it a test run. I thought I was, it, it was going to be the real thing when I did it. So, but it, I, I, I changed my mind. I, I decided not to, not to post that one. Not that it wasn't good, but, it was it was several hours ago, and I just uh, I, I'm just looking at it as a test run. So, um, with all that being said, um, hello to everyone. This may be uh, yeah. If this is your first time listening um, or watching, in this case, um, premise of the show is pretty simple, and it's pretty much in the title. Um, I work for a major delivery company, but on my way to and from my where I work, my route, it takes me over an hour to get there and over an hour to get back. So along the way, I've just started talking about sports stuff and, uh, you know, a few other topics um, as well. And you know, I, I, I just decided, you know, let's let's do something with this time. Um, so. So, yeah, that's that's what it is. Really simple as that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Another. um little angle, little gimmick, I guess, that, um, that I throw in there, and, and uh, my longtime listeners for the many three weeks that I've been doing this will know, um, is a, a segment I call TMI, and it's just something where I just share something personal about myself that I normally uh, would not be comfortable sharing with the world, um, and I mean, really, this in itself is that, because, you know, I, I'm generally a pretty private person and um yeah i don't really do that much social media stuff and allowing you into my mind over the last few weeks is you know already partially that but allowing you into my home now today is definitely that um you might see itchy back there come here um i probably shouldn't have done this because now he's going to be all up in my face for the whole time um but say hello hi um but yeah, um, uh, this is my living room. Uh, yes, I, I do have my computer and my, my stuff, my desk in my living room. And there, there's a reason for that. I do have an office, but the office is in the basement. And um, I, I, there's just something inherently depressing about being in a basement. I, I've, I've always felt that way. I don't know if it's the, the lack of light or being underground or what it is, but there is just something inherently like... I, I don't know, depressing about spending a lot of time in a basement, and I don't like that, and, you know, I, I tried for a little while to uh, bring my stuff up here and just do do my, my schoolwork and my, uh, you know, my, my side work stuff that I do, uh, writing and, and whatever else in the kitchen, on the kitchen table, but that just didn't really feel right either, and for whatever reason, like, I, I just, the, the living room is the most, like, sociable, most open room in the house. It's where I guess I spend most of my time anyway, and so 
it just made sense. Like, you know, I, I, hell, and I'm the only adult here anyway. This is my house. I get to, you know, decide where I put shit. So I, I decided to bring, well, I didn't bring the whole desk. I just, I actually bought a folding table. It works just as well. I uh, brought my office chair, brought my monitor and all my stuff up here. And now, you know, when I'm not using it, it's just kind of pushed over here in the corner uh, next to the bookshelf. And, you know, it doesn't take up much room or make a difference. So, um, but yeah, I, I am much happier with it this way. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just, it feels better being in this open space, the space, you know, in which I'm usually, I spend a lot of time anyway. And I don't know. I feel good about it, whatever. So, um, yeah, and that's probably the best place to try to do a video episode of the podcast as well, because the rest of the house is um, not always super clean. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if that counts, but, well, I, I do have, um, you know, I, I made some, some notes here earlier, and, you know, one thing I do is I keep, like, a Google Doc of, like, running notes that I, you know, for certain, for episodes, and up at the top, I've got here, uh, you know, just ideas for the TMI segment, and, one thing that I, I was thinking about this yesterday actually was this this whole podcast experience has been weirdly therapeutic for me. Like I, I don't know what it is, but I, I found myself yesterday. I actually I did an episode the day before yesterday, which was Monday, um, and I I normally don't do it on back to back days. I, you know, I just do like a couple episodes a week. But yesterday I found myself really like wanting to do it. But I had left my AirPods at home, and I, I didn't feel like it'd be too too good to just try to do it over the Bluetooth or, you know, speaker. Um, so I, I didn't end up doing one, but I really wanted to. And, like, I felt like this, I don't know, not compulsion, but just, like, it's something I really wanted to do. Like, I really want to do it. Um, and it occurred to me that, you know, this has just been weirdly, like, therapeutic, just talking, even though... You know, it, it's almost like therapy, you know, it, it really is. And, you know, it's like therapy without having a, a, another person there nodding and giving generic pointless advice. Um, you know, and, and it's also better than talking to myself, which I honestly do, you know, a lot of the time anyway. I've admitted that before. And, and again, it's not like I think someone's listening or, you know, like a real insanity thing, I hope. Uh, it's just a way that, you know, I have that you know, everybody has that inner monologue and I just do it out loud. And it helps me think. It's how I've always gotten my my best thinking done. Has been driving and talking out loud. I just it allows me to get my get my thoughts straight. And you know, doing this like and talking like with a purpose and knowing that there are even if it's just a handful of people listening, it's really been like weirdly therapeutic for me and just felt felt good. So thank you, thank you guys for that. And I know that I know there aren't that many people listening. Um. Uh, you know, hopefully it's going to grow. Hopefully this will, you know, expand and, and become a thing uh, eventually. But, you know, for now, I, I'm happy with the small audience that I have and I appreciate you guys and I love you guys. And um, hey, like I said, you've been you've been uh, like a like a distant, impersonal therapist for me. So thank you for that. Um, now, um, that out of the way, today is Wednesday, not generally a very busy sports day um, this time of year. Um, I, I did, uh, I, I watched, I listened to some stuff on ESPN radio this morning um, and Mad Dog uh, and uh, on the way taking the kids to daycare and made a couple notes there. And then I watched uh, a, a little bit of stuff today like uh, McAfee earlier and um well, I actually watched yesterday's Pat McAfee show because I love that show and it hadn't been on yet at that point. Um, 
uh, and what else? Get anyway. I, I watched some ESPN and whatever, and I made some notes here, and I actually made a whole lot more notes than I initially intended. But I think it's just because I, you know, I wasn't like working like I normally am while I'm doing the, you know, so I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here at the computer. You know, I'm having a lot more time and uh, a lot more thoughts to make notes about. So I, I've got a whole lot to go through. I'm probably not going to get to all of it, um, just because I don't want to take that much time and. Um, um, but yeah, we're, we're going to try out this whole video episode thing. I'm still not entirely sure how it's going to go. Like, I don't know, you know, what it's going to be like trying to, trying to upload it and yeah, yeah, we'll see, but we will go on this adventure together and we are talking sports at work at home today. So I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. Hello. Welcome back friends. Um, so doing our first video episode once again thank you for uh listening watching um i don't know if you can hear it in the background i've got uh i've, I've got some christmas music playing it's turned down pretty low but i just uh, i don't like silence so i've got that playing in the background and luckily i'm not popular enough to worry about any sort of copyright shit so there's that um you can also see the christmas tree the kids stockings uh, a little bit of decoration there and i i put the Ball's blanket on the back of the couch, mostly just to cover up the back of the couch. Um, but yeah, this is my living room. Um, I, I don't know if I'm gonna turn the computer around and show you guys everything. I have, have most of you people listening have been here anyway, so you know what it's like. Um, but let's talk about some sports stuff. So, as I mentioned, you know, and, and that's what I normally do is I just like I listen to stuff on the radio or I watch stuff on TV and I just I, I respond to it basically. And, and another thing that's weird about this video is I watched that test video earlier. I didn't realize well, I realized that like I'd heard about it before, but I'd never, I guess, really watched or at least not in the last few years, watch video of myself and I forgot about it. But like how it flips you like the image I am looking at right now is actually being recorded backwards so i don't know if that makes sense but if you're ever on a zoom call and there's a setting where you can like i don't know what it's called but you can like invert things and you can see it the you can see yourself the way that other people are seeing yourself so like right now you're watching this and it looks like my hair is actually parted to the other side which i don't like i don't know why but it doesn't look as good it's the exact same thing but you know for whatever reason when i watch this back i, I don't feel like my hair looks as good part of the wrong side so uh anyway that's a weird little thing um but yeah i again with this with this i'm there's not really that much actively going on to talk about in the sports world, but we do have a few topics, and I'm probably going to just ramble here and there just because that's what I do. Um, but most recent thing, I was just watching today's episode of, of Pat McAfee for a little while because it's, it's 6.03 uh, right now. And I started this, like I said, I started this actually this morning, but then I started working on uh, – some of my schoolwork, and I spent several hours uh, doing that and working on a, a, a paper that I have for this history class um, and got distracted, I guess, from from this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so I don't have the kids tonight. Um, they're with my ex-wife, so it's, it's just me, just itchy here. And I was watching uh, a little bit of McAfee after I finished that essay. And um, one thing that they were talking about was – was Brock Purdy, and this has been a topic lately, uh, a good bit that um, you know people just kind of hating on him or not giving him the credit he deserves. And you know, I honestly, 
I get it. Like, I understand, like, the reasons why he's not getting the credit he deserves are, are pretty straightforward. They're right there on the surface, you know, it's two, two reasons. One, he's got all that crazy talent around him. You know, the best group of skill position players in football with McCaffrey and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and Elijah Mitchell, who, you know, is, I mean, they just, it's just, and Juwan Jennings, and, and, you know, it's just an embarrassment of riches at the skill positions. And not to mention, they've got a really good offensive line as well and a damn good defense. So, you know, when that's the case, the quarterback's, you know, not going to get quite as much credit. And uh, the other thing, and it kind of works as a two-pronged thing against him, is his draft stat. You know, he he was drafted the Mr. Irrelevant last pick of the seventh round of the draft. Um, You know, was not a highly rated quarterback prospect, not even close. You know, I think... Big 12 people probably knew him, and I'd heard about him and seen him a little bit. Um, But, you know, he was not considered to be an actual NFL quarterback. Um, And so those two things, you know, the fact that he he was not projected to be a good player in the draft and the fact that he's just got so much talent around him caused people to, I think, just not want to give him too much credit and kind of not hate on him necessarily, but say, you know, I, I even heard Michael Parsons on his uh, podcast. They actually had it on McAfee earlier um, saying that he could play quarterback for them. And, you know, I that obviously that's that's not, not true. But, um, I mean, hell, Parsons is a hell of an athlete. He, he could probably <laughs> – do some do some good there but you know I, I think Purdy really really is like a, a pro bowl level quarterback now I don't know I mean we saw you know when Debo got hurt they went on that little three game skid um I, I don't know what his stat line was during that but I know right now that he's leading the league in like every relevant category you know he, he's leading the league in and passer rating completion completion percentage probably passing touchdowns you know, I, I don't I don't know everything. Um, oh hell, you know, I'm not at work right now. I actually could look it up. Uh, how about that? Rankings. How about that? Uh, da, 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 da. So yeah, this is interesting. So yeah, 3,100 yards so far. 23 touchdowns with six interceptions. Uh, his 75.6 QBR, which you know that's ESPN's like passer rating type stat is first in the league, um, and let's see, rankings, that's just looking at, so, oh, hell, I didn't know that, CJ Stroud is actually leading the league in yards right now, Purdy's like two, three, four, five, six, seventh, um, How about that? I really didn't know that about Stroud, but he is leading in completion percentage, um, He's, where are we in touchdowns? Actually, Dak is first, so Purdy is fourth, um, but he's only three behind Dak. Um, He's only thrown six interceptions, passer rating first. Um, You know, so, uh, you know, his stats are MVP caliber, and I saw that they have him right now as the, as a slight favorite over uh, Jalen Hurts and, and Dak Prescott were there for the MVP right now. And I was actually looking at that because I, I was looking at Mahomes and he's, I think, fourth right now um, at like plus 625. And so I looked at the Chiefs schedule. They've got a pretty favorable schedule the rest of the way. Um, one in which it, Mahomes could really just rack up some stats. And I really thought about putting some money on that. And the only reason I didn't is because 
I know with MVP voters um, in all sports, but you see it especially in basketball, but you see it everywhere. They are a little bit hesitant to give the award to the same guy over and over. And, and Mahomes has already won it twice. He won it last year. Um, and, and that's really the only thing that I think is going to go against him. He's still obviously the best quarterback in the league, the best player in the league. Um, but, you know, so was LeBron for so many years. And he only won. You know, he didn't win it every year. Um, uh, you know, and um, anyway, so um, got off track there. But anyway, the point is, um, I, you know, Purdy is a really good quarterback because, you know, he's not bombing it down the field, but the things that he's being asked to do are not, you know, things that everybody can do well. You know, I mean, do you think Zach Wilson in that offense would be successful? No, he wouldn't. And and I, that's a bad example because I feel bad for Zach Wilson and everybody hating on him so much lately. But, I mean, hell, you look at other guys and, and you know, it, it takes a good quarterback to make this function the way it's supposed to. I mean, hell, you know, it, it was it was largely the same with Jimmy G at the beginning of last year. They weren't this good with Trey Lance for that little period. They weren't this good. Um, it takes a good quarterback to have, I mean, he's pinpoint accuracy and, you know, I always remember the thing that I heard, uh, I heard Troy Aikman say this on a broadcast a few years ago and I'll never forget it because it's something that's just always stuck with me and uh, talking about quarterback evaluations in the draft. And he said, um, he said, I hate it when they're evaluating these quarterbacks in the draft and they say, he's a guy that can make all the throws. I was like, everybody can make all the throws. He wouldn't be an NFL quarterback prospect if he couldn't make all the throws. That's not what you're looking at. They can all do that. They can all, you know, bomb it. They can all, you know, I mean, they may, it may be relative. You know, they might not all have Josh Allen, Will Levis, Patrick Mahomes, you know, well, and I know people are going to roll their eyes at me putting Levis in that category. I'm not putting him in that category, but as far as just arm strength, yeah, he is. Um, but not all of them are going to have that level of arm, but they can all make any throw that you would ask an NFL quarterback to make, or they wouldn't be prospects for the NFL draft. So they can all make the throw, all the throws. What you're looking at is stuff like decision-making. How quickly does it get it out? How quickly does he process this stuff? You know, and it, all that shit, all those subtleties, all those things that set the, the, the good ones, the guys who can play, up, you know, as set the great ones apart. That's what Brock Purdy can do very well. He gets it out quickly. He makes decisions very quickly. He can dissect a defense. He knows where the ball needs to go and puts it there right on right on the numbers, hits the guy in stride. I mean, this is what you would ask a quarterback to do, and especially in this system. You know, and I know that's another thing that people say, you know, oh, Shanahan's system, it's, you know, it's, it's favorable for him. But, hey, no, I don't think that you could just put any quarterback in there and they'd be this good. I really don't. Like, you know, I think, you know, uh, Brock Purdy's a good player. Now, how good? I still don't know yet. Is he top 10? Yeah, probably. Is he, I I don't, I'm not going to put him top five, um, you know, because that would mean that he's ahead of, you know, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Herbert, uh, you know, Burrow, uh, you know, but Purdy probably is top 10. and, And at worst, he's like, you know, top half. Uh, but he, you know, he looks like a top 10 quarterback in the league right now with, you know, potential over time to, to move up in those rankings. So I, I didn't expect to talk that long about Brock Purdy, but, um, I had something else on here too, about the Seahawks. Uh, 
that at the, the or not the Seahawks, the 49ers, because they're playing the the Seahawks this week. That's why that popped in my head. But oh, yeah, something else I, I heard earlier that was a very interesting stat because we're talking about the, you know everybody's talking now about you know is is San Francisco just above everybody else in the NFL and, and especially in the NFC right now. And at this point, it, it kind of looks like they are. And if they play up to their potential and they stay healthy, I think, yeah, they're clearly the best team in the league right now. Um, but um, what I was thinking of it, because, and, and the interesting stat that I heard was um, against the other two top teams in the NFL or in the NFC this year, they've played them both and they've beaten them by a combined score of 84 to 29. That's their combined score when they played Dallas and Philadelphia this year. They've handled both of those other top teams. Now, is it going to be different in January? Yeah. But, I mean, in both of those games, you know, even though they were regular season games, they were big games. These were big opponents, you know, the kind of games that guys get up for. So, uh, and they handled them in both cases. Now, is it going to be a blowout again if they play, especially Philly in the playoffs? No, it will not. And I think where they play will be important. Um, But right now they've got the tiebreaker on both of those teams. I think Philly still only got a one-game lead, so no room for for error anymore. Um, and and yeah, and really, this is kind of what it's felt like San Francisco could be for the last few years. Um, but the real difference now is it's two things: they have the quarterback now, beyond any doubt. It's not you know managing the game with Jimmy Garoppolo. They have a good quarterback. And they have health right now. Those have been the two things that have kept the Kyle Shanahan 49ers from being an elite Super Bowl champion so far. It's been injuries and it's been a lack of of really good quarterback play. They've got both of those things right now. Let's see if it continues. You know, let's see if they can stay healthy and keep this rolling. And if so, I don't see anybody beating them in the NFC. Um, And, you know, if they stay on their game and keep winning and, you know, can get that number one seed, it's probably going to be hard for anybody to go out West and beat them. This is one case in which I do think in both conferences right now, it feels like home field really matters more this year than it usually does. Um, And obviously, you know, nowadays you, you only get the one team that has the first round by. So that's the most desirable aspect of it. But I really do think that home field matters a lot too this year. So um, I've been talking for 13 and a half minutes now on a topic that I really didn't care that much about and didn't expect to talk that much about. So I'm going to pause or reassess how to, I don't know, get more concise and I'll be right back. Oh, shit. I guess I will. How do I end session? There we go. Okay. Hey again, friends. And I don't know. I don't know what just happened on this last, uh, little recording. Cause I don't know if it's, ex- if I'm expected to like do this all as one sitting, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, again, I probably do overall talk too long for one podcast, but Oh, what's that say? Two leads first wave. Oh, okay. We do have something maybe relevant here. Pro Bowl update released. Oh, Tua leads the way, I guess, in Pro Bowl votes. Uh, all right, that's not that big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm figuring out how to do this whole uh, video thing, and I'm still really figuring out how to do the podcast thing in general. Um, but I I mentioned, you know, just uh, I'm going to I'm gonna get do this briefly because um, 
I talked about how I was watching stuff earlier, and with it being Wednesday, it's just, it's not that, you know, that big of a sports day, you know, there aren't any games, there wasn't a game last night, there is one tomorrow, but even that's not a, you know, going to be a good one, it's uh, Patriots and Steelers, but, you know, so I was watching, and there wasn't really anything that got me fired up, you know, a lot of the time I've talked about how I end up yelling at the TV, or, you know, trying to argue with the guys on the radio, and that didn't really happen today until one thing um, Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee, and this was I was watching yesterday's episode this morning, and he was talking about. And for the most part, I really like Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that I would agree with him with a lot of some of his ideologies, uh, because he he has you know claimed himself as being somewhat of a conspiracy theorist, which you know that that comes with a certain connotation nowadays, you know, and a, a certain association as well. Um, but anyway, he, I I don't remember exactly how it, it went, but he got on this topic of like, um, stuff like that in general and how it's been, you know, how it's become more mainstream and how, you know, there are certain topics where people used to be, he called it labeled with the C word and they, you know, eventually figured out they meant conspiracy theorists. Uh, but now that stuff's more acceptable, more out in the open, more mainstream. And, oh, that's one reason why he's happy with everybody having a platform and shit like that. Um, but he said, you know, like one thing was um, like how he uh, was taking a stand against vaccinations. And I was like, wait, hold it. You didn't take a stand, dude. You lied about it. That's a very, very different thing. But he even used the words taking a stand for what I believe in. And I was like, "That what? <laughs> That's not what you did at all. Taking a stand for what you believe in would be getting up there and saying, look, this is not something that I believe I should do or is best for me, and it's not something I'm going to do. What he did was get up in front of everybody in a press conference and flat out lie. I mean, y- you can say he twisted words if you want. He said he'd been immunized, and he considers that not an actual lie. Of course it is. Um But yeah, that just kind of got me like, no matter what you think about COVID or vaccinations, conspiracy, whatever, that whole era, that just kind of irritated me. And I even like Aaron Rodgers, like I said, for the most part, but that was just so dumb, you know, and, and, and he says stuff like that. It seems like pretty frequently, like he he just says these very, very arrogant, cocky, or, or says things with this very arrogant and cocky air about him. And, you know, to some degree that's, that's cool, but when it's stuff that's just flat out incorrect or or law or, or false, what the fuck? I've been babbling gnats in my house. It's, um, it's just irritating. But one thing that I did like that he was saying was again defending Zach Wilson because even though I don't think he's a good quarterback and I never have, I said all along he was not worth the number two overall pick. I do feel for the guy, man. And and I said this on Monday's episode because I read the thing about him possibly being reluctant to take over the starting job again, which now everybody's backtracking and saying, whoa, we didn't say that, or that's not what we meant, or something like that, or that report was false, or taken out of context, or some shit. Um, But, you know, they were reporting that he was maybe reluctant to take the job back, and I said, can you even blame him with, A, the way they've treated him, you know, going, I, I mean, basically benching him last year for Mike White, then, you know, going through, uh, you know, building Aaron Rodgers, uh, a friggin' New York, 
figurative mansion and, and rolling out the red carpet, making everything about this guy, the guy who's replacing you. Um, and then he gets hurt and everybody hates on you again. Now that you're the starter, then they bench you again. I mean, can you blame him for, for being reluctant? I wouldn't want to play for them either. Um, but apparently he never said any of that. And that was not true. Um, which, you know, it was surprising to hear that, you know, to hear that this, this, 20 something year old kid, you know, quarterback drafted number two overall, didn't want to play. Now that was kind of surprising to hear. Um, but my thought was, hell, I don't blame him. And that's just the football side of thing. That's not even t mentioning the fact that on, at some point on every sports show, every single day, there seems to be at least a few segments dedicated to a, the jets and B, that usually involves bashing Zach Wilson. I mean, no matter what this kid is, he's still a 20-something-year-old kid. No matter how we see him as a celebrity, as a sports figure, whatever, I mean, this is still just a guy that, I mean, if, if people, if I, if I took a tenth of the criticism and the heat that this dude did, I, I would go hide in my bedroom like a shit. I mean, that's just the truth. I don't know how anybody could take all the all the shit this poor guy does. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's part of it. Obviously, that is, you know, what you're getting into. Um, I don't think he chose to be drafted by New York because it is so much more intense in that market. And, you know, on every every broadcast, every media outlet, there's going to be somebody with New York ties, if not the entire thing being based in New York. So there's always going to be a Jets fan, always going to be a Yankees fan, always going to be a Mets or, a, you know, somebody, a, some New York presence there on every major broadcast, on every radio, TV, everything. So, you know, it, it's not even just the heat in the city of New York. It's everywhere. Um and so, you know, I, I kind of like Aaron continuing to take up for Zach Wilson, even though, you know, it's, it doesn't really cost him anything to take up for him because he knows it's not like the kid's an actual threat to him. But it is, you know, it is still nice either way to hear him and, you know, a, a handful of others like Garrett Wilson come out and, you know, support him. Because, I mean, again, I've talked about Zach Wilson's not a good football player. He, he's not. I did not. I, I saw him play in college. I'm pretty sure I saw him play. He was there whenever I went to see the Tennessee BYU game. Um, anyway, I don't remember. Um, but I just, I, you know, I never thought he was that good. Never saw this as, you know, this this guy should not be the second overall pick. Not to mention the fact that Trevor Lawrence should be their quarterback right now. Uh, yeah. They have Adam Gase to thank, to thank for that one, too, by the way. They can't even lose, right, for a generational talent. And, and again, I, there's that word that I feel like is overused, but Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, I think that was also, was that Justin Fields, I think, was, was there. And I thought he was the second-best quarterback in that draft. Um, but, anyway... Uh, yeah, Zach Wilson just getting torn to shreds and it's good to see, you know, Aaron Rodgers and some others at least taking up for him and kind of reminding people. And, and I'm not usually the type to be very defensive of celebrities or, or, uh, even athletes for the most part, because I feel like, you know, all the ridiculous benefits they get, you know, ungodly wealth and immediate fame and, and never having to pay for a meal or anything and being worshipped, you know, on, on this incredible, ridiculous level. 
really kind of outweighs the criticism. I mean, obviously it does. That's why they do it. Um, and, and they kind of can get too caught up in their own self-worth and sort of forget that, you know, the only reason that you're able to be this multimillionaire and the celebrity figures, because we want to watch you. Um, so usually I'm not the type to like take up for people in that, but with Zach Wilson, it just got to, it's gotten to be too much and I'd feel for him. And it's kind of like that with Justin Herbert too. Like I remember how everybody was bashing him in the draft and I, it, it, it I already liked Herbert going into that draft and said most years, if there didn't happen to be guys that seem like two no brainer, number one overall picks and Burrow and Tua, most years, uh, Justin Herbert would be the number one overall pick in most drafts. Um, but then he came out and he said, all he said was he was a little bit of an introvert and everybody lost their friggin' minds. Like, there's no way this guy can lead a, can lead an NFL team. He can't lead a huddle. If he's an introvert, he can't be an NFL quarterback. It's like, what? It was crazy. I mean, we've seen this kid play football. He's really good at it. Um, and so anyway, I was already a Herbert fan, but after that, after everybody just started and it wasn't even just football stuff, it was like, Really, I don't remember the examples, but like really, really like over the line, like personal attacks, it seemed like on him for, for nothing. And I remember after that, you know, I was already a fan. I loved him and was all aboard for Justin Herbert at that point. And now, of course, nobody has said that. No, nobody said any of that. You know, that I, I'm, I'm misremembering and I'm sure because everybody loved Justin Herbert after we saw how good he is and he won Rookie of the Year. There was nobody who really criticized him, of course, you know, because <laughs> those media members they never own up to uh those are the same media members that didn't say Mitchell Trubisky was the best quarterback in that draft either but um anyway so again got way off topic there and took talk for a lot longer I don't even know if I'm gonna post this honestly I, I may not um but uh got a few more things to talk about we talked about uh talked about Aaron and Zach Wilson and that is enough GD jet stuff um and let's see I've got one thing well uh, I'll take a quick break and uh I'll, I'll be right back hello friends welcome back to talking sports at work home edition um I am your host Eric Persley and got the I don't know if you guys can hear it. Um, got the Christmas music going in the background a little bit. Excuse me. Got my Christmas decorations. I've even got my Christmas candle over here, but uh, making it all pepperminty in here. I love Christmas. I, I love uh, I love the Christmas season. It's also you guys. Many of you guys know that um, it's it's an especially special and sometimes stressful time of year for me because I've also got two kids' birthdays, um, one November thirtieth and one December twelfth. So. You know, it comes with a little extra something, you know, uh, excitement, I guess you would say. But I love Christmas. I love this time of year. I love fall weather. Um, and it's just, it's just it's football time and, you know, and basketball is getting started up too, which is, you know, like a, a little bit of a consolation when football ends. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a great time of year. Um, anyway, so I was looking here. There are two things, well, two, three things left that I want to get to, I think. Um, the first, and and I don't know what order, I, I'm going to go ahead and do this just based on the order that I typed them. So the first one is I want to not, not necessarily clarify, but um, I guess just amend something that I said on Monday's episode, because 
I thought a little bit more about it and um, uh, I, I've got the Pat McAfee show going in the background and it's muted and it's got the AFC playoff picture and it's got literally every AFC team. So we're right there above the jet, above the Patriots at the bottom at four and eight. Um, but anyway, so I, I was talking about it, at, you know, I was really fired up about the CFP committee thing and their rankings. And I thought that not only were they wrong, but the media at large was wrong in talking about how they were wrong. Because everybody was saying, you know, Florida State deserved to be in, or the people on TV were saying, for the most part, it sounded like, and, and on the people on ESPN, because on Mad Dog Sports Radio and stuff I saw on social media, a lot of people were thinking the same way I was, that it wasn't Alabama that got in unjustly over Florida State, it was Texas. Texas is the team that didn't belong in there. Um, and I'm not going to rehash that. If you want to hear my whole thing about it, it's a very... Uh, <laughs> very scientific argument because I also talked about, you know, this is what y'all wanted. Everybody bitched about the BCS. You guys wanted the subjectivity brought into it. That's the entire reason this committee was developed. Y'all wanted rid of the scientific, um, rank, logical ranking system with, with things in place and criteria that we could, you know, all go by and understand. Y'all wanted rid of that. You wanted people to be able to inject subjectivity into it and make the eye test and this is what you get. So no room to cry about it now. Um, but so I'm not going to get rehash all that. What I did want to say is I was thinking about it. And at the time, I couldn't really figure it out because <clears throat> it felt like to me, they got the rankings wrong, no matter how you looked at it, because they made the case that it wasn't about who was most deserving. It was about it wasn't about picking the four most deserving teams. It was about picking the four best teams. But that that argument's already proved to be invalid because they didn't put Georgia in. If that's the case, if you're picking the four best teams, I don't think anybody who knows anything about anything could really make the argument that Georgia is not one of the four best teams in the country this year. I mean, come on. By the way, their only loss all season, in fact, in the last three years, but we're not taking all that into consideration, but their only loss in the last three years was in the conference championship this year against the one of the teams that you did put in. So against the now number four team in the country, Texas's loss was a regular season loss against Oklahoma, who is not in the top 10. And so again, Georgia, Texas, it's, it's obvious. Um, so, you know, that argument about picking the four best teams is already proven to be invalid because you didn't put Georgia in. But then if you talk about it from the most deserving teams, well, obviously they didn't get it right there because you left out an, uh, an undefeated power five conference champion, you know, and it's not even like, again, it's not even like it was Duke or something. This was a, a historic football powerhouse. This is Florida state undefeated that you left out. Um, so if you're talking about most deserving team, obviously you didn't get that right. Talking about best team, you didn't get that right either. So either way you look at it, it's wrong. And I was thinking, you know, but at the same time, either way that you look at it, they got it right too, because this is the system we agreed to, to just let these people choose um, with no real criteria in place. But then I got to thinking, you know, there is one way, in fact, in which this decision does make sense. And and I got to admit, it's not 
it's not an irrelevant thing and it's not, uh, you know, even wrong maybe, but the way that they did get it right is in picking the matchups. And that is something that they all but said they took into account. They weren't ranking these teams one to four or one to six. They picked according to matchup. They had that in mind. They all but said it on multiple occasions. They said it. The most recent thing was when they said they didn't think Florida State could win. Uh, they didn't. That's saying we're picking according to who's going to be, you know, most competitive. What's going to be the best games? That's a. I mean, that's a valid. Although it's not right, I don't think it's how they should have done it. That is a valid thing, though. Because, I mean, the whole reason anybody cares about any of this is because people watch it, you know, because it makes millions and millions and millions of dollars for these broadcasts and these universities and these media outlets and all this. So it is a valid case to say that they did pick four teams in order for some two really good games because, I mean, obviously... Alabama and Michigan, whoever wins that one's probably going to win the national championship. Um, and those are two, you know, two of the three best teams in the country this year, you know, Georgia being the other one. Um, two great all-around teams with talent everywhere, very well coached. Um, that's just going to be a great game. And then you look at the other side and you've got Washington versus Texas, which is going to be, you know, probably – an over of like 80, you know, should be offensive fireworks all over the place and really fun, competitive offensive battle to watch with two great offensive minds in the college game and two elite college quarterbacks and talent all over. That's going to be a fun game to watch. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, and that would also in some ways rationalize and justify keeping Georgia out because People probably don't want to just see another Georgia-Alabama game, especially people outside of SEC country, I'm sure, kind of getting sick of that. And that's what it would have been, one way or another, whether they ended up playing, whether they were playing in the semifinals or they were going to beat whoever they put up against the other one, and they met in the finals. If Georgia and Alabama both ended up in, they would end up playing one another again. And I think maybe the committee kind of thought, you know, people are probably a little bit sick of seeing that. And, you know, it might be interesting to not have back-to-back-to-back national champions, but let's see a new one, similar to how the MVP voting goes, when if it's close, people will usually vote for the new guy. Um, So, you know, if they're just picking in terms of most eyeballs, most interesting, most entertaining, which, again, that's what this is at its heart. That's what this is. It's entertainment. The only reason it's meaningful is because people want to watch it. People will pay cable bills. People will pay streaming services. People will pay huge amounts for tickets, for merchandise. That's why this is relevant. It's all entertainment. So from that perspective, and let's not forget, most of these people on the committee are athletic directors and higher-ups at university who have skin in this game, You know, who, who maybe not with the specific teams, but they all win when college football gets huge injections of money. So from that perspective, yeah, maybe they did get it right because these are going to be two really good games. Um, So that's just a quick amendment because I didn't think about that whenever I was talking about it Monday. Do I think that's valid? Do I think that's how they should have chosen it? No, of course not. 
Do I think that they will ever admit that that's what they actually did? No, of course not. Do I think that was their number one thing in mind? No, but I do think that it was something that, that they thought about. I don't think it's a coincidence that Alabama is four instead of three because it's going to be a better two better games and set up for a better final if Michigan and Alabama are playing in round one and Washington and Texas are playing round one. I don't think that's a coincidence, the way those rankings ended. So, again, it's a travesty, complete travesty that Florida State was left out. But if they would have made it in, they probably would have gotten stomped by Michigan or Georgia or Alabama. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know that they would have gotten stomped necessarily by Texas or, or Washington because I think their defense is really good, Florida State. And, I mean, you know, with having more time to prepare, this is still a Florida State recruit quarterback. Even though he's young, he's probably decent. So, you know, he wasn't good against Louisville, but that was, you know, on like a week of preparation. Now he's going to have a month. Um, they would have been better than I think people would have expected. Um even without the superstar that is Jordan Travis. But in the end, without him, no, they are not one of the four best teams in the country. But that's not supposed to be something that they're looking at. So anyway, that was my just quick little um, amendment to my rant on Monday because I said I couldn't wrap my head around it. There was no way in which these rankings made sense. Um, and no matter how you looked at it, they got it wrong. But then I thought about it uh, a little bit more yesterday and today, and I figured out a way in which they do make sense, and it's just for the matchups. Those are going to be two really good games and probably set up for a really good final as well. Um, but either way you look at it, they got it wrong. Either way you look at it, they got it right, because this is the this is the system we agreed to. Everybody wanted it to be subjective. Everybody wanted the eye test to be heavily weighed. Everybody wanted it to be humans making this decision instead of a scientific system in place. So no matter how you look at it, they got it right because this is what they chose. I'm going to take another quick break. Um, got at least one more topic, and then I'll probably go ahead and cut off this video uh, episode, but I'll be back. Hello, friends. Welcome back to this home at-home edition of Talking Sports at Work. Um, so... You know, I haven't really taken advantage of my, having my computer here. You know, normally I'm I'm sort of at a at a disadvantage when I'm uh, when I'm doing this because I'm driving and and talking, so I can't really look up things. But I have I've, now that's not the case. You know, I can do whatever I want. I really haven't done anything with it except looking up that uh, Brock Purdy stuff earlier. So you know, but again, I, I'm new to this. Uh, I'm new to this as a whole, but especially new to doing the video version of it. So, you know, we'll, we'll get better as we go. Um, I was just looking to see, let's see, we've got one, two, three, four, four segments so far, about 10 minutes a piece. So I'm already over what I should have done. Um, so the last thing, um, that we'll talk about today, or at least I think it's the last thing, is um, the, the the Titans and the AFC South as a whole. First of all, the Titans, um, because, you know, I have to talk about them. Um, also, yeah, there's one other thing I want to talk about, too. Um, they, I, I saw that they are, they're 14-point underdogs. I think it's actually gone down to 13 now, but um, yesterday it was 14-point underdogs um against Miami and my initial thought was oh shit I'm gonna get on that 
And then I paused like my AA sponsor <laughs> tells me to do. Um, he, he says that quite a bit. And he talks about the pause before you do something, before you say or react or whatever. I paused um, and I thought, well, you know, there, there, I, I can see it both ways, honestly. I can see it where, you know, Mike Vrabel being the defensive genius and great, so great at situational football that he had been up until a lot of this year and the last half of last year. But, but you know, being the great coach that he is, I can see how he could find a way to at least slow down this Miami offense. On the other hand, you look at it and you think the season's a wash. Jeffrey Simmons is almost certainly not going to be playing because there's no reason to rush him back out there. Derrick Henry's probably not going to be playing for the same reason. Um, we don't have our all-pro punter for what that's worth. Um, and, you know, at this point, this is the time in the year with being four and eight where you're probably just kind of it's, – it's almost like preseason mode. You know, let's put some young guys out there. Let's see what we've got. Let's try some new things. And you're not really as concerned with winning or losing. I mean, I'm not, that's not to say that, you know, we're tanking or that Vrabel's not super concerned with winning and losing. But, I mean, really, you know that you're not playing for anything now. So, you know, I, like I said, I can see it both ways. Where I can see where, you know, Vrabel, if anybody could find a way to slow down this, just like he did with, you know, he was the only guy who figured out Lamar or the first guy who figured out how to stop Lamar Jackson that year when he was unstoppable, you know, he, he was the guy who figured out how to end Tom Brady's tenure and uh, in New England and knock them out of the playoffs. That's, was that that same year? Uh, but anyway, you know, he, he's been able to do things on the defensive end that no one else can do. And so, you know, I can see it where he could figure out a way to slow down this offense that no one else has been able to slow down yet. But at the same time, I don't know that we have the talent to do it especially if Simmons isn't playing. Also just saw that we caught, cut Monty Rice, which that's just another example of the horrible drafting by John Robinson um, and not really relevant to what I'm talking about right now. Um, but, you know, my first thought was, yeah, I'm going to jump on that. You know, if anybody can slow him down, you know, we, we should stand a chance. But then I thought, no, I, I can just as easily see this being a – uh, a 38 to 10 game as much as I could see it being a, a 24, 21 or something, you know, I, I could see us getting blown out in this game just as easily as I can see us keeping it close or even winning. Um, in fact, getting blown out is probably more likely than us actually winning this game. Um, so yeah, that sucks. Um, and, oh, another thing with the Titans, and, and this is something that I, I came to mind earlier today when I was watching, uh, what was that? I was watching Get Up, or or maybe it was the, the yesterday episode of McAfee. It was one of the, um, they had Jeff Saturday on. I think it was yesterday's McAfee show, and I love Jeff Saturday, by the way. I, he's a former Colt, you know, but I love that dude. Um, it's funny how many former Colts are now guys that I really like and like prominent mem media people like Pat McAfee, like Jeff Saturday, obviously Peyton. Um, but anyway, I love Jeff Saturday and it seems like so often the things that he, he seems to be of the same mindset uh, that I am with so many things. Like there will be things that even when other people and the, the common thinking says this, he he'll be the only one like, 
dissenting and saying something different. And, and it'll be usually in line with what I'm thinking. So anyway, I love Jeff Saturday. He also just seems like a really nice, cool guy. Um, and he was talking about, they were talking about how Frank Reich, uh, got fired, um, after, you know, not even a full year with the Panthers and how, you know, David Tepper's involvement, you know, heavy involvement in things may have had a role in their lack of success. And it probably did. And he also talked about how teams and owners and, and fans just nowadays have too high, have just crazy expectations for immediate, you know, big time success. And it's just not realistic, you know, because we'll point to the examples of when it works. You know, look at what D'Amico Ryans is doing now. But for every D'Amico Ryans, there are 10 Frank Reichs in, in Carolina. So, I mean, you can point to the, exa- the the few examples where it works, but more likely it's a guy who's going to need some time to sort of build things. And, you know, there's no ta- there's very, very little talent on that Panthers roster. And it was going to take some time to develop this rookie quarterback with very little talent, with no real weapons to throw to or hand to, no, not a decent offensive line in front of him, and not a really good defense either. It was going to take time. But they didn't want that. Now, there were evidently other problems going on as well. I read something earlier that said there was a Hunger Games mentality inside the uh, Panthers locker room, which I, I had to read it. I read that a little bit. And Evidently, it was kind of every man for himself, and coaches were, like, sabotaging Reich and going behind his back and doing stuff, and um, evidently, it was a really bad situation, and, you know, after hearing that and also knowing how things ended in, in Indianapolis, where it was also apparently a very, very bad environment and very bad culture there at the end, kind of makes me question my stance on Frank Wright because I always used to like him. Like, I thought he was a really underrated coach, and I thought he was very unjustly and prematurely fired uh, from the Colts. I said, I don't think he's the problem there, you know, that you guys have been chasing a quarterback and doing all, but that's a whole other topic. That's fucking nuts. Um, but anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So anyway, he was talking about how they're just unrealistic expectations now. And obviously that's not a very original, you know, he's not the first person to say that. But it got me to thinking, you know, even this year, how there seemed to be like real momentum behind a movement to fire Mike Vrabel, which is just absurd to me. I mean, I, you know, first of all, I, guy was coach of the year the year before last. He... Everybody uh, has agreed up until just recently that he's one of the 10. Most people up until this past year were saying one of the five best coaches in the game. And now one terrible year where the roster is decimated, where you fired the GM last year, where you're starting over with a new quarterback. And now now you want to fire him. What? That doesn't make sense. That's stupid. I mean, if you look at it, and of course it's hard to judge things, and, and that Frank Reich thing's a perfect example of how we don't really know anything. We don't really know what's going on in these locker rooms or what, you know, any of the specifics of, of what goes into being a successful or not successful head coach or any of the relationships or, you know, all the actual stuff. All we see is a very small sample size of, you know, how they perform on Sunday. 
And even that, we don't know all the details about. We can't hear the calls on the sidelines. We don't know what they're doing and saying. And so, you know, we really don't know much. And, and But just from what we do know, I mean, you just look at what Vrabel has done during his tenure. And every single year up until this season and the last half of last year when it just fell apart because of injuries, he has every single year coached above the talent level of what's been on the roster. I mean, if you look at the last uh, up until just disregarding this year, or maybe even including this year, um, if you go back during Mike Vrabel's tenure, I there is no period in there, no year in which I think you would say that the Titans were one of the five or even 10 most talented rosters in the league. Yet every year he had them in the playoffs, except for the first year, I don't think we were in the playoffs, but every other year in the playoffs, competing, you know, competing in the postseason, we were the number one seed two years ago, although we got knocked out in the first round. But every year, he's got these guys to where the the sum is greater than the, how does that go? The, the result is greater than some of its parts, the whole is greater, whatever. These guys are playing better than they should be based on their talent level. And that's coaching. I mean, the only time in which I think you would even say it was close, it might have been a top 10 roster, was that that second year of of Tannehill when A.J. Brown was really starting to get rolling and Tannehill was rolling and Derrick Henry was unstoppable and, um, you know, then the offensive line was still great. That was the only year that you might say the Titans were even around the top 10 in terms of talent. Every other year, though, but if you look at the success on the field, yeah, we've been one of the most successful teams during that, at least one of the 10 most successful teams during that period. Um, so I think that's the one way in which you definitely, whoops, hit the desk, in which you definitely can judge coaching is the results compared to, you know, expectations or, you know, the, the performance compared to talent. Um, if they're consistently performing better than what you would expect based on their talent, that's probably a damn good coach. And that's what we've had every year up until, and I was also, that got me to thinking about, well, you know, what happened, you know, we fell apart the last half of last year because we were the most injured team in the history of football for the last two years. I mean, you go back two years ago. When he won coach of the year and we were the number one seed in the AFC, we did that even though we used 90 something players, more team, more players than any team in the history of the NFL that year because we were so decimated by injuries. And then the following year, we were up in the 80s, close to that number again, close to getting breaking the record for the second uh, time. And yet still. That first, you know, that year, the year before last, we were the number one seed in the AFC. And so you wonder, you know, well, what was the difference? You know, if we were decimated by injuries both years and one year, you know, you win double digit games, number one seed in the AFC. Then the next year you have the division in the bag and you collapse and lose seven straight. The difference is the quarterback. That's one thing, and I said this all along, Tannehill did not get nearly enough credit for what he did that year, because statistically he was down that year. That was the one difference between the year before last, when we were still winning and, and you know, ended up number one and playing really well. Tannehill was healthy that whole year. Everybody else, 
Brown. That was the Julio Jones year. Uh, Henry was out for most of that year. The entire offensive line, most of the defense, everybody was getting hurt, but Tannehill was there the whole time. That was the difference. Last year, we were decimated by injuries again. A lot of the same stories, but we also lost the quarterback and ended up putting in Malik, who everybody knew was not ready to start as a rookie. Um, and that didn't work out. Tried to throw in Josh Dobbs there at the end of the season. That didn't work. But that was the difference. Um, and that was really frustrating because, I, you know, I remember being at the Colts game last year. Um, and it was about middle of the season. And I even uh, posted that the AFC South is ours. It was in the bag. I mean, at one point, you know, at one point in the season, I think we would have been seven and two, I guess. And I guarantee you, we probably have like a 95 or better percent chance of winning the division at that point. The only, only way that we were not winning the division that year would have been if we had an epic collapse and then either the Colts or the Jags or Texans just go on a crazy epic run. And of course, both of those things happen. We lost our quarterback. We go, you know, in, in addition to several other injuries that kept piling up, we go straight downhill. If we would have won one, one of those last seven games, we would have won the division, but end up losing seven in a row. The Jags finally take off, which I was kind of expecting them to do anyway. I, I loved that Doug Peterson hire and said he was perfect for them. I actually said they should have hired him the year before when they hired Urban Meyer. I said Doug Peterson would be perfect for them. Bring him in with Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, so they, they ended up getting it right uh, that next year. Um, but anyway, so that was my thing about the Titans. And that gets me to, I'm at 15 minutes on this segment. So I'll, that gets me to my what I was going to talk about, which was the AFC South. Because this was another thing that Jeff Saturday and McAfee were talking about, both being AFC South guys, about, you know, this was supposed to be one of the worst divisions in football now. And right now, we're in position to maybe have three teams in the playoffs. And, of course, we're the worst team, the one team that's actually not contending now. But, I mean, you look at the division that was, again, supposed to be one of the worst in football. Uh, the Jags are doing what everybody expected. You know, they, they seem to have maybe taken that next step to being a legit contender. Um, the Colts have now begun to play very well uh, with Steich and his coach and with Minshew. And that's another little side thing that I'm curious about. Um, the Texans, D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, unbelievable um, I did not expect them to be this good this quickly. I did like the D'Amico Ryan's hire, and I said all along he reminds me a lot of Mike Grable, um, not in terms of his system because it's very different, but just in terms of his demeanor and you know the the attitude that I think he presents and and the way he seems on on the sideline and uh, being that former player, former linebacker. You know, it just reminds me a lot of Brable, and I really liked him. I thought they got the right guy there, and I also thought they got the quarterback, but I did not think it would work this quickly. Um, but, you know, it, not just that, but they've also done some great drafting. Nick Casario has not gotten nearly – everybody was bashing him very, very recently, thought he should be fired. He needs, he's terrible, you know, but then he gets all he got from that Deshaun Watson trade – makes a lot of good picks um, with Stingley, with Tank Dell, with Stroud, um, with Will Anderson, which I actually bashed that pick because I thought that was crazy 
to give up all that they did to trade back up to get a defensive player. And I still think that might come back to haunt them. But the one thing you can say about that, or well, two things you can say about that are one, they had the draft capital to use because of the Deshaun Watson trade. They still had another first round pick, even giving that one up, um, even giving up all they did. They still had some to work with. So it wasn't, you know, just in a vacuum, they gave up a first and a third or whatever it was. I actually gave up two firsts, you know, cause they traded back. So they only had the, the Cardinals only had to trade back like eight spots or six spots maybe. Um, and they got their first round pick and I think third round pick for next year for this coming year. But the thing you can say about that is, but they still actually had a little draft capital to work with because of all they got for Deshaun Watson. Um, but I just thought that that was, but then the other positive thing that you can say, and I said this about it at the time is this might actually end up being a great thing for them because now you've got your new leader at coach. You've got your new leader at the quarterback position on the offensive side. And now you've got a new young leader on the defensive side. This might actually work out perfectly for them. Um, again, I thought they gave up way too much, but you know, maybe they didn't now is, is Will Anderson the reason they're playing this? Well, no, he's not, but, um, yeah, I'm sure he's been a factor, and I think he has been good this year. Um, so anyway, that was uh, the thing about the Texans. The thing I wanted to say about the Colts, though, was I'm wondering what the future looks like for them because they've been surprisingly good this year. I don't know how they're going to look moving forward, though, because we know Gardner Minshew's only there for you know his backup, right? He's played very well for the most part, and the team, the city's really rallied around him. But this is temporary. You know, it's going to go back to being the Anthony Richardson show again next year, as it should. But I don't know what to expect from them. You know, they've got this super talented quarterback who's going to come back healthy. They've got a lot of talent at the wide receiver position, a lot of talent on the offensive line. But we know Jonathan Taylor's not happy. Uh, the defense has undergone some major changes. Um, and so I just kind of wonder, you know, the Colts are not going to be this same team at all come next year. And it, I'm curious to see you know, whether they go up or down after this year. Um, and with Jacksonville, they are as good as they should be, I think. And then this Trevor Lawrence injury is, it sucks, but I don't, it doesn't seem like he's going to be out that long. They were probably never going to get the one seed anyway. Um, now they almost certainly won't without him for a game or two. But, I mean, they're saying there's even a chance he'll come back next week. Um, but, you know, the Jags, and I've got a little bit of affection. Even though they are a division rival, I do have a little personal affection for the Jaguars because I lived in Jacksonville for several years. So I just kind of developed a sort of uh, affection for them, and I, I've gone to a lot of Jaguars games. I would go every time the Titans came, and I went to a few others. Um, so I've just always kind of had a little – affection for them anyway but now that they're the team to beat in the division it kind of sucks um but at the same time I, there's also a part of me that's happy for them i just hate that the jets had to win that one friggin' game with adam gase and screw up everything as soon as that happened that was the first thing i said that was the first thing that went through my mind we're gonna end up with friggin trevor lawrence in our division now because of the jets and sure enough Anyway, I have been talking for 21 minutes on this segment. That is way too much. I don't know if anybody's still watching, still interested, still whatever. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'll come back and close things out for the evening. 
Alrighty, friends, welcome back. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone for tuning in, or if that's even the right terminology now for a, for a podcast, a video podcast. I, I don't know any of the nomenclature nowadays. I'm old. I, I don't know what's right, but I want to thank you for watching. If you are watching, um, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast up until this point. You guys mean a lot to me. I know it's only a very, I, I, I know I don't have a large audience yet. And well, I say yet, I mean, that's optimistic. I hope I will at some point have at least a decent audience and that this can go somewhere and, and, and do something. But just for the handful of people that do listen and are watching, I want to say I appreciate you so much more than you know, more than even I realized up until recently. But uh, you do mean so much to me. It's just, you know, nice to have these little sessions where I can just talk and know that there are at least some people out there who are interested enough to listen. So that's, that's awesome. And thank you for that. And thank you for overlooking all the flaws that I will probably notice in this later and for working with me and being patient as I continue to work my way through, uh, uh, creating a podcast for the first time, creating a video episode for the first time. Um, it's an adventure and uh, it's fun. So thank you for coming on the ride with me. Um, and on behalf of myself and come on, myself and Itchy and everyone else here at the Persley household who's actually not here tonight, I, I'm i glad to talk to you. I want to thank you. It's uh, much later than I meant to stay on here. It's 10 after 7. I am going to go get myself something probably unhealthy to eat since the kids aren't here. And I don't really care about it with, uh, with it's just me. So I'm going to go get myself some food. I'm going to get some dinner. I'm going to see if there's any basketball or something on. Thank you again for watching. And I love you. Bye. Hi again, friends. I know I said I was finished, but I've just got one more special guest to show you. Say hi. <laughs> those are my beautiful children and i get to share them here with you guys because i love them and i love you okay bye bye not you i'm still talking to y'all <laughs> no i'm not done talking to